Thanks, Jose, for that. I'm just wondering how he managed to find a photo of Donnie Gilbert on his prompt. <laughs> I'm also trying to figure out why is it always prom season here in Chattanooga? I'm telling you, every time I go out, <laughs> there's always some high schoolers dressed for prom any time of the year. I don't understand. I don't know. All right, Isaiah, thank you for that. We'll talk to you later. We're going to welcome in John Kingston right now, our editor at large, talking about some alternative fuels and getting them from an alternative source as well. John, thanks for being here this morning. Thank you very much. I decided to put my Islander hat on in honor of the playoffs, which begin tonight. I love that. I'm assuming that Isaiah will probably talk about hockey playoffs coming up in maybe one of his next looks at Social Roundabout. So we'll leave him to talk about that. Love the Islanders hat as well. Let's dig in for our topic of the day. Alternative fuels, uh, we know that hydrogen has been a hot-button topic, but sourcing it has been interesting to figure out workarounds, right? And now we're talking about splitting ammonia to get hydrogen. How does this work? So I went down a couple of weeks ago to the Brooklyn Navy Yard, which, you know, 70 years ago was building ships for the Navy and now is really a hotbed of innovation and startups. And I visited a company called Emoji, and um, I was going to meet them at Sierra Week uh, in, in, in Houston in early March, which, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, on, on the show, is, was a real hydrogen show, essentially. <laughs> and um, their project is to split ammonia. So hydrogen really has a couple of ways of being, of being turned into a fuel. One is that you can just burn hydrogen. You can have a hydrogen-powered hydrogen combustion engine. You can have an ammonia combustion engine. Remember, ammonia is hydrogen and uh, nitrogen together. Um, you can you can have hydrogen injected straight into a fuel cell, um, or you can have ammonia put into a fuel cell. Their approach is to split, to, to crack, I shouldn't say split, crack the ammonia into hydrogen and nitrogen. The nitrogen is just vented into the atmosphere. The air is mostly nitrogen anyway. And, um, and then you put the hydrogen into a fuel cell that creates electricity and that drives an electric powertrain just the same way a battery would. So it's really just one more piece of the multi-pronged approach that all these really, quite frankly, very smart people with a lot of money behind them are approaching toward, are, are taking the approach toward hydrogen. I mean, I, I, I'm going to use ammonia and hydrogen occasionally interchangeably. I know when I interviewed the people at Emoji, anytime I did that, they corrected me, you know, no, it's ammonia, it's not hydrogen. But hydrogen really is the energy source in ammonia. Um, their big test, they've run two tests so far. One was on a drone. The drone actually had a cracker on it that cracked the, uh, the ammonia into hydrogen and, and nitrogen. Then they did it on a truck. They did it on a Class 8 vehicle. Uh, their big test now is going to be on a tugboat uh, that is now being retrofitted on the uh, Hudson River north of the city, north of New York City. And it's going to run for a 12-hour test. That's nine hours longer than they did on Gilligan's Island, of course. Uh, which was a three-hour cruise. This is going to be a 12-hour cruise. And 12 hours, they estimate, is going to be the amount of time that they can power the ship based on the ammonia tanks that will be on board. Uh, they also feel it's a lot more of a real-life test than even either the even the truck or the drone. So I don't know whether this is going to work. Um, maybe it'll work, but that won't be the long-term hydrogen solution. They just got $140 million in VC money. Um, and uh, they've got quite an operation down there. They use a, a platinum group metal called ruthenium to crack the ammonia. So it's just one more fascinating approach. They got to compete against petroleum. They got to compete against hydrocarbons, which is a very big ask. You know, hydrocarbons are a great fuel, a great energy source. But it's just, as I said, one more piece of this uh, real uh, in, in, in smart driven initiative 
toward trying to turn hydrogen into a commercial fuel. And John, what does it look like from the storage aspect? So I'm thinking of hydrogen storage could be seen as a potential con, but how does it look like when you're working with ammonia? Well, ammonia is a liquid fuel at room temperature. So um, the idea, of, you know, it's more, it's more challenging to store a gas like hydrogen or LNG. Well, actually, LNG is a liquid, but you have to put on, under um, tremendous conditions to liquefy it. Ammonia, when you, ammonia is a man-made fuel. It's not natural. It's a man-made product. You know, we use it all the time as a fertilizer. So it's not like this is a, a, a new thing. We store and transport ammonia now all the time. So if you were to build an ammonia-based fuel system um, off the back of it, you've already got a pretty strong foundation. I mean, hydrogen transportation storage is a much, much smaller industry than it is for ammonia. And this is interesting as well when you talk about the innovations that have to come on the opposite side of the industry to actually make it useful. Is there anything that needs to happen from either the trucking side or the commercial use side that would make these two kind of pieces link up? Well, really what's happening really is more on the government side. Um, I On the show earlier, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about uh, the, the, the buzz at Zero Week was all about the Inflation Reduction Act and the very big credits that they give to green hydrogen. Let me point out that Emoji wants to uh, views itself as operating only with green hydrogen. Green hydrogen is hydrogen that is produced from a renewable fuel like wind, like solar. Uh, pink hydrogen is produced from nuclear. Blue hydrogen is produced from natural gas, but with carbon capture. And gray hydrogen is just produced with natural gas. So um, there's these, these great tax credits $3 per kilogram, which amounts to about $3 a gallon on diesel uh, for green hydrogen. Uh, additionally, one of the big pushes that Emoji is, is making, even though they're operating in the U.S. and they're building a plant down in Houston, their target in the beginning is going to be Norway. Why? Because Norway is decarbonizing its shipping sector. It's got a significant shipping sector. Um, and so they feel that they can take that that they can take their technology and sell it into Norway and then use that as a base to expand from there. And John, of course, we're talking hydrogen here, but I have to ask um, the latest movements from, <clears throat> excuse me, OPEC Plus um, that was announced not too long ago. Can you tell us a little bit about how significant this movement is and if it's something that we'll see maybe an impact from our side maybe a month from now, a week from now? What does it look like? Well, right now, it looks like a, a whole lot of nothing. Uh, the price of, of diesel, certainly the futures price of diesel, uh, you know, moved up a little bit, moved down a little bit, moved up a little bit. It's really been, quite frankly, utterly boring um, recently. I just put the chart out on Twitter about what retail prices did in the last week, because Monday, of course, is the day that they do the survey to come up with the diesel price that's used as the benchmark. And it went nowhere. I mean, in the last week, it's, it's moved within a range of a cent. So the OPEC plus move has really not been a factor. But let's remember something. The OPEC plus move to cut a million barrels a day launches in May. So it's still in April. So that, those are where the cuts are going to be made from. So, you know, look, look, look going forward, we have some countries that are starting to in, improve their output, Nigeria being one of the biggest. Um, we had talk of a recession at the end of the year, which would reduce demand. Uh, we don't know how this is going to play out. Um, but uh, OPEC clearly is getting ready for what it felt was a, a softer demand scenario toward the end of the year. So, John, with this, Todd Maiden wrote an article last week talking about how 
when Russian sanctions went into place at the beginning of December, we were expecting to see a pretty significant drop off of Russian output because people weren't going to be willing to take those lower prices. And it kind of hasn't necessarily come to that. We've seen the Russian output stay pretty steady and people accepting those lower prices and then the tanker side of things doing pretty well. Do you think that maybe that decision had any or that fact had anything to do with the OPEC plus decision to make those cuts? Yeah, well, certainly, look, you know, OPEC's job would have been a lot easier if Russia's output had been significantly down because of sanctions. That didn't happen. Now, I will say this, that the sanctions do have an impact on Russia in that they have to ship their fuel further afield. And so they get a lower net back for their oil. And um, so it's not a non-factor. But I think, I think, you know, the decision makers would tell you that it's actually worked out pretty well. Look, they, in, in February of 2022, when Russia invaded Ukraine, everybody knew that the world needed Russian oil. You couldn't just walk away from you know, 3 million barrels a day of exports. And we've got that. We've got that oil on the market. Uh, it's been cut out of their more lucrative markets where they, can, uh, where they would only have to absorb fairly low shipping costs, and they're having to send it a lot further away. So in that sense, I think you, know, you could say it's probably as good as it, as it can get because it's very tough to truly, totally embargo uh, a country's oil for a lengthy period of time. And you've, you, you have taken a hit to their earnings because of their reduced net back. So you know what? You, the, the world has probably done about as well as it could have done unless they would have sound, found some way to totally sanction Russian oil, which is very difficult. John, always amazing getting to have you on. If people want more of your insights and catch Drilling Deep, where can they do that? Just go to Freightways TV and look for Drilling Deep. Got some good stuff. <laughs> oh, and you can find it live 3 o'clock on Fridays as well. Thanks, Sean, for that. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more Freight Waves now in just a few minutes. <laughs> 